Welcome to another edition of FastCast. Today, Dell sits down with Russ Long of Long Capture and Contract Management. All right, folks, thank you for joining us for another uh, FastCast interview. Uh, today, we're actually talking to Russell Long of Long Capture. And Russell's going to talk about his experiences with the SBIR and STTR programs and actually being a contracting officer for the Air Force. Uh, Russell, um, if you can, take a quick 60 seconds to introduce yourself to our audience and um, what you do. All right. Hey, thanks so much for the introduction. So my background, uh, I'm an Air Force veteran. I served as a captain. And in that role, uh, I was a contracting officer, which means I led teams of buyers through the acquisition process. And we often worked with, um, you know, just different government customers to help them build their requirement, do the market research, actually build the request for proposals. So once those were sent out and received back our role, was then to evaluate and select contract winners. So taking that insight, you know, during that time, I saw just a lot of different businesses struggle with the complexity and the confusion of the acquisition process. And that kind of inspired me to start my own consulting company, which is Long Capture and Contract Management. And so I now work with small to mid-sized companies to help them navigate this crazy process. Um, the biggest pieces. I work with them on are just, you know, finding the different federal opportunities. Um, once they actually find them, how to write good proposals. And then especially in the small business innovation research arena, figuring out how to go into the next phases, the next, find the next customers, move that prototype to production. So that's really kind of my, my background. Okay, great. And that actually segues perfectly into our first question. So, Russell, what is your background with the SBIR and STTR programs? Yeah, so my background is actually a little bit more on the later phases. So, for example, um, the last office I worked at was Space and Missile Systems Center at Kirtland Air Force Base. So in that role, I served as a contracting officer on a source selection that was over $100 million. And at the core of this source selection was actually a technology developed by a small business under the SBIR program. So they had moved through the different phases and then found um, just an office and a program that wanted to do this requirement and do this by. So there were they were the mandatory sole source contractor. They developed the prototype. They owned the technology. So they got brought on board to this larger program. Um, I also had some experience with the Rapid Innovation Fund. So did quite a few purchases on that side where it's kind of the big brother to the SBIR program, uh, $3 million cap, 24 months, and they're looking for companies that have technology readiness levels a little bit higher. So 50% of the awards under the RIF program, the Rapid Innovation Fund, actually were SBIRs first, hmm. and then later moved into the, the RIF program. So really, you know, helping folks get I saw both sides, getting their foot in the door on the SBIR side and then really moving that to different programs um, for additional opportunities down the road. Gotcha. Well, that's a pretty um, wide uh, range there. And I like that you mentioned that moving them to other programs, because one of the things that um, a lot of small businesses don't understand and they find out during the process is usually just an SBIR award is not going to get you to market. You're going to need some additional funding. Um, and one, just because of the time period you're dealing with, but also because of the you know budget you're dealing with is 
even for the greatest technologies, a lot of times $2 million isn't going to get you a market mass producible ready product, which is where you should be at the end of your phase two. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to kind of go about that. And that's where I have a little bit more insight. It's kind of my niche. And you mentioned something um, when you were talking about your experiences with the SBR Mm -hmm. and STTR programs. Wondered if you could take just a quick, you know, sentence or two to kind of highlight the importance of it, because a lot of our um, listeners and a lot of our clients ask, and I cannot stress enough how important it is. What is the importance of being a sole source for DOD? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. To be honest, that's that's where the money is. You know, like you've mentioned, the $2 million is a great start. You might be able to build kind of that initial prototype. But the real opportunity, not just to make money as a business, but to have your prototype fielded. And in this case, with the Department of Defense, help the warfighter. Like that, that's where you want to be. And like I mentioned, you get to keep the intellectual property with this program. Um, and so that, that opens up a lot of doors for those large dollar sole source contracts to get you out there. Yeah. That's always one of the things we like to highlight is people go, well, you know, I understand what sole source is. And it's like, no, if you're not jumping at the opportunity, you don't (laughs) understand what sole source is. It means that they don't have to open compete when they want to buy your technology. It's, Yep. I've already trusted the technology. I've invested into it. We're going to directly contract. And it just cuts out so much of the process, so much of the time. And you're almost guaranteed at that point that you have a worthwhile tech that they want to continue to put money into. Exactly. That's exactly right. All right. So, Russell, from your experience, which you definitely have a lot of in the SBR and STTR programs, kind of a two-part question here. One, what do you think is the greatest strength of the program or programs? And two, what do you think is their biggest weakness? Okay. So we hit on some of the strengths a little bit. Uh, the biggest piece is it's non-dilutive capital. I mean, the government's putting the bill for you to build your prototype. So it's a great opportunity to get up to a few million dollars in funding to build a prototype uh, without losing any equity in your company. Now, there's some nuances to it, but essentially it's the customer paying for you to do the development of your technology. And then the other piece that we hit on is you get to keep the intellectual property. Depending on which federal program on the, under SBIR, it's either four or five years, and there's some ways to even kick that can down the road. And that's one of the things that we um, also like to highlight when people ask us about, well, you know, what are my rights and what are my data rights? And it's like, well... You get them for five years and people go, or, you know, four to five years. And people go, Mm -hmm. well, that doesn't sound like a long time. It's like, wait, it's after the culmination. So if you get a phase one and then don't do anything with it for three years and then get a phase two, that Mm -hmm. resets that clock. And people don't really get that the value and kind of the beauty of that is it continually resets that clock. And it's like, there's probably technologies out there that people have, you know, maintained data rights for for 20, 25 years because they keep getting companion funding. They keep getting follow on funding and constantly resetting that clock. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there are provisions in the phase three piece uh, that not too many people know about where if you're doing further development of that technology, that keeps kicking the can down the road that keeps pushing the clock back. So there's some ways to get, you know, well more than the four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as, as weaknesses go, um, 
flexibility, and I know you've hit on this in some of your other videos, they, especially on agencies that want to do contracts rather than grants under the SBIR program, they're usually putting out a very specific problem statement looking for a very specific technology. So that between that and then the different structure, the phase one, phase two, and the period of performance, there's not a whole lot of flexibility there. And in associate with the other weakness, I would say is the agility. Um, so again, you kind of have these set phases, and especially as you move further into traditional contract vehicles in later phases, um, it gets kind of into the more traditional contract schedules uh, on the government side that they're kind of notorious for. So. Yeah, I like that you um, hit on those two points there. One, particularly the agility, because people don't get that, no, you work against their schedule, you work against their idea, and part, especially when, like for NSF, a lot of our clients will come in and they say, well, I got this, I want to do a phase one and I want to get to this point. It's like, no, 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 no. You are now bidding five steps down the road. You're yeah. not aligning with what their technical objectives are if you're not just delivering a feasibility plan. It's like right. you have started to actually degrade the strength of your proposal. Let's walk mm -hmm. this back a bit. And a yep. lot of people, particularly for small businesses that are startups and entrepreneurial spirits, they'll just start dashing towards the finish line. It's like, no, 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 yeah. time out. Let's, let's roll back here a little bit. Right, right. But also just the stringency of the program when it comes to the contracting agencies like DOD, NASA, DOE, some of the other ones. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that we run into a lot where we'll have a client come to us and they say, well, I got this great piece of technology, this great innovation. I think it's perfect for DOD. It's like, yeah. well, let's look at what their topic areas are right now right. and hope that there's something in there. Mm -hmm. And getting people to understand that you know, with somebody like NSF, if you miss this window, yeah, there's another window this year. You can mm -hmm. do the same exact topic area. For someone like yeah. DOD, if you miss this window, chances are that same topic is not going to pop up unless either one, they don't get a satisfactory answer, or two, the awardee doesn't perform and they need to rebid it. And the likelihood of that, low. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. All righty. Well, Russell, we've talked quite a bit here about the um, SBR and STTR programs and kind of what are their um, strengths. Now, from the Air Force contracting side, obviously, you've seen a lot of the proposals come in. You've been on or you've reviewed a lot of them. You've actually made awards on quite a few of them. And I'm sure that you see the same problems um, kind of come up. Uh, when people are thinking actually about even getting a SIBR or an STTR, what do you think is the biggest kind of missed opportunity that most small businesses even just overlook when they're thinking about applying for these programs? Like, particularly, are they too tough? Is there not mm -hmm. enough time? Do people think they're not innovative enough? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Yeah. I think one of the biggest missed opportunities is they, they underestimate how much time it takes. The reality is it's only a 20-page proposal in a lot of cases. Um, but what they don't understand is there's a very structured approach. There's a lot of registration requirements that can take weeks to get through. The different compliance pieces that they need to get done and include in their proposal. It's a very structured, this section followed by this section, you're going to talk about this, um, where it might be difficult for them to take something they've already written and fit it 
So it'll take a lot more time, and I see a lot of people rushing to make the deadline or even in some cases, unfortunately, miss it because they didn't dedicate enough time up front to some of the registration and compliance pieces. So that's that's one big piece. The other one is, um, as far as missed opportunities, we've kind of hit on it, so I'll keep it short, but looking for when they get the phase one, not looking forward to the phase two and how to find those customers and really set themselves up. And when they win the phase two, they might be too very fixated on, on building and delivering the prototype, which they should be, but finding those additional customers, asking the what's next question, what programs, what funding, what customers come next. So when they deliver the prototype, you know, there's nothing there. Yeah. That's the end. So that, those are the two biggest pieces. Yeah, I think that's actually can't be the importance of that can't be stated enough is once you win that phase one, you better mm-hmm. start trying to align yourself with the phase two, the phase three, you know, your VC funding to actually take you to market. What milestones do you need to already be starting to structure to make sure that you hit those on time? Because and you kind of highlighted the, with this on the first missed opportunity mm-hmm. is time moves real quickly when you're not expecting it. Um right. You know, when we talk to people about the application process, we kind of like to talk to them almost about, okay, well, remember your kindergarten lessons and color within the lines. Yeah. Don't, this isn't the portion to get creative yeah. with how you arrange the sections. They want them in a very particular way. They want them in right. a very particular fashion. Mm-hmm. And so from another university I worked at, we actually ran into this problem where because we didn't use their section titles, we didn't win an award because the reviewer didn't think the information was in there because we didn't yeah. specifically state it in a very specific section. And for a lot of small businesses, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, and that's right. They spend a lot of time and they just don't follow those, well, those different compliance pieces. And so they miss out. Yeah. So this actually segues into one of our last questions, or not one of our, but our last question here. Yeah. Having worked on that contracting side, what are, mm-hmm. and you touched on this a little bit, but what are the most common mistakes you see small businesses making that actually torpedo their chances when they're submitting a contract? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing, and I, I would see this all the time on a wide range of different dollar size, you know, uh, proposals, they don't answer what the Department of Defense and what the Air Force is looking for. And how you can make sure that you address what they're looking for is you, one, read, you gotta read the solicitation. I know it looks intimidating, there's a lot of pages, but you've gotta take the time. Read through it and especially key in on the evaluation criteria. We talked about all the crazy different sections that you gotta include, and those are just compliance pieces. They want you to talk about your team or your idea but that doesn't necessarily one for one line up with your evaluation criteria. So at the end of the day, that's how they make their decision. So make sure you're hitting on that evaluation criteria. And as a quick example, if you read through the Department of Defense solicitation and you read through a National Science Foundation solicitation, it's two very different priorities. For the NSF, it's very much about their America's seed fund. They want to see the societal impact and how your innovation will change the industry and benefit society. The Department of Defense, they do talk about commercialization. Maybe that's where people do get confused, but they're very much about 
how can this benefit the warfighter? How am I making airmen's lives better or soldiers' lives better or saving time? That's what you got to key in and really make sure you're talking about. So, so on that note, they, they are spending too much time in their proposals talking about why they are great and not how they can make the airmen great or the customer great. They got to really tailor it because over and over again, I get these proposals and they're talking about how great their company is and there's, and how they're special. But 15 other people are saying that too. So you're not going to stand out, but if you can say, Hey, here's how I can help you do a better job or the soldier do a better job. That'll stand out. And that's what matters. That's what they're looking for. So those are really kind of the key takeaways. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, th- that's something that we kind of like to highlight too with people is if you're not writing towards the review and evaluation criteria from step mm-hmm. one, you're writing it wrong. Just think right. about like when you're writing a research paper in college, it doesn't really matter of your style of writing. Mm-hmm. If you're writing against the way the professor grades, you're going to yeah. get a bad grade. And same thing with this. You're going to fail your contract and opportunity. And you never want to do that because fail too many of those. And just like in school, you're going to drop out. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, Russell, we got went through a, quite a bit of information here, um, just about um, the SBR and SCTR programs in general and about uh, DOD contracting with them. If you could leave the audience with one kind of crystallizing thought of or summation about what is the most important takeaway you want them to have, what would that be? I would say, just to kind of reiterate what we've already been talking about is, is plan ahead. The schedule for the DOD SBIRs is out at the beginning of the year, and there's three different rounds. Um, so you know about it ahead of time. The pre-release for the next round is coming up. I think it's August 24th. So be ready to start reading through and contacting the technical team to ask questions. Um, when the proposals come out, be ready. You know the exact day they're going to come out. So plan on getting some resources ready and available to jump on it rather than waiting the final week and cramming and hoping that the government systems, which aren't always the most reliable, like the website doesn't shut down when you're trying to submit a proposal. So plan ahead. Oh yeah, definitely. And before um, we conclude, I just want to say thank you uh, to Dell and New Mexico Fast for the opportunity to kind of partner together and do some videos and talk about uh, some great topics and, uh, especially for my New Mexico-based businesses and my network. Make sure you're aware there's a lot of resources. There's a whole YouTube channel with these different videos on it. There's classes. They have micro-grants to help support going after, um, find different resources, go after these proposals. So just keep that in mind, and, and thanks again. Well, Russell, we greatly thank you, um, one, for appearing, two, for that you know kind of special shout-out, because we are always updating our tools and resources. So every solicitation cycle, we actually shred the RFP for people, like not physically shred, but go through it. You know, yeah. We update our checklist, our compliance matrices. We're doing yeah. things to actually put together proposal templates for people that make it a lot easier. Because that's one thing that a lot of, you know, particularly our clients, but actually working in the small business world, too, that I've seen is the process can be daunting to people, but it shouldn't be. It's actually not that difficult. Is it a lot of writing? Yeah. Do you have to make sure you do a lot of stuff? Yeah. Is it just 
totally onerous and, you know, make sure that people aren't yeah. going to get through the door? No, not at all. That's not the, <laughs> that's not the reason they made these programs. So, right. and we want to also thank, um, you again for, you know, being on here and talking about your, uh, the abilities, talking about what you've done, talking about your experiences, but also that you are one of our service providers, that if people need assistance with putting together their proposal packages, we can match them with you for some, you know, contracting assistance, for working through, you know, various aspects of their proposal, um, and for making sure that everything just lines up. And we will um, be hosting more videos um, from Russell on our YouTube channel in the future. So pay attention or uh, definitely tune in for him to talk about, you know, moving beyond that phase one, some of the additional funding opportunities for Cyber awardees like the RIF program, even like mm -hmm. DIUX, anything like that. And Absolutely. just to talk about more, how do you make sure that you're aligning yourself for success from day one? Right. All right. Well, thank you again, Russell. We greatly appreciate it. And for our audience, um, look forward to more uh, uh, videos by Russell and possibly more interviews in the future. All right. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs>